You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. I'm really, really pumped to be here with you guys. And uh, if you have your Bibles, if you want to get started here, we're going to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 as we kind of get organized here. There is a, um, there's a thing that happens that, you know, BC was talking about it a little bit up here, where we, we take this word of God and we try to make it make sense to reach and help as many people as we can. That's basically what happens, you know, for the 35 minutes that we're, we're up here together. And one thing to really, to really keep in mind is nothing great happens in isolation, Nothing great. It's like there's some good stuff that happens. Cool. You can, you can do good stuff, but great stuff always happens in the context of team. And so I know, because I've been here for 10 years. I've been in Cincinnati for 10 years this year. I am positive that Cincinnati is a better city because of Queen City Church. Crossroads can't do it by itself. Queen City can't do it by itself. Any church around here can't do it by itself. We need each other. And I just want to say, as, as your friend up the street, as your family member that comes around a couple times a year, I am so thankful for what God is doing here and what God is doing with you. And not like just generally like you, as in like, like you, because your serving, your generosity, right, your teamwork is helping us take this message of Jesus to the people that need it most. And don't get it twisted. I love a good TED talk, Right? But we're not here doing TED Talk stuff. We're here uplifting the name of Jesus, who's not a theory, he's not an idea, he's a person. And that's all we're doing up here, right? And so you're helping make that happen when you sign up for things like Serve Day, when you sign up for, for putting this place together. That's what you're doing. And you know what you're doing? You're making my job easier too, right? So it benefits all of us when we work together. So I am a part of the Big C Church. I work at a church, but I'm a part of the Big C Church. And I'm so thankful for this church. And I know this is true because I, I'm not a senior pastor by any means, but I'm a pastor on staff. And one of the things that I recognize is oftentimes we don't give people their flowers enough, right? Like we don't give people like the, 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 the honor due. And I just want to take a moment as a church together, if I could, as your, as your distant relative, and I just want to honor Pastor Brian and Pastor Heather. I love you guys. I really do. And BC told a story about, you know, coming up here and, and trying to put this whole talk together. And I hit him one day and I called him. I was like, okay, so here's kind of what I'm thinking. And he, he came back with a question. He was like, that's, uh, that's really, really great. Um, cool, do it. And he trusted me with it. So I appreciate you trusting me, man. I really do. And last year when I came up here, uh, when I came up to, to Queen City, when you guys were Memorial Hall, I was going through some stuff. Like I was going through, like I, I, didn't, I wasn't really sure like what, what God had called me to next. I wasn't really sure if like I was supposed to be up here. I was really like insecure about the call that God had in my life. And then Brian, when you called me and you were like, hey man, I think God has something for you to share with our church. It lit a fire in me. God used you to light a fire in me. And I am so grateful for that conversation and conversations like that. You are a brother in Christ, man. And I'm so thankful for you. Can we give it up for our pastors, Brian and Heather, please? Can we do that? It is a, it is an, it's a privilege to do ministry with you guys. It's a privilege to be here. And so let's get it popping. What do you think? Cool? All right. We're going to talk about something today that uh, happens to all of us, okay? But I'm going to start with a life update. Life update. 
Before I do that, I just want to let you know I used to be the man, okay? I used to feel, I feel like, felt like I was the man. I used to be able to wake up in the morning, go to football practice in Florida in July, do my football practice, three-hour practice, come off the field, go into the basketball gym and just start playing basketball for no reason, right? Just because, like, I had energy, right? Then I would go home and rock out some Madden for, like, four or five hours, not drink an ounce of water. No, nobody drank water in the late 90s. Why? Like, my daughter has a water bottle. I don't know what the, where did that come from? You know what I used to drink back in the day? Czech Cola. Anybody know what Czech Cola is? If you're not sure what Czech Cola is, it's the OG Good and Gather, okay? It's Good and Gather, but worse for the environment. Czech Cola was this thing that was when dixie brand made it. So if you're from the South or you grew up around when dixie Czech Cola was 25 cents a can in 2001, dude. 25 cents a can. You could mess around and buy all of that right there. All different kinds of flavor. One that strikes me as odd is freshy. See the top right? Freshy flavor. What does freshy taste like? Maybe a Tide Pod? I don't know. What is that? Like, somebody like, no, it doesn't taste like it. Don't, don't, don't. Uh, and then the, my, my other favorite one was Dr. Check. Dr. Check was basically Dr. Pepper, but worse, right? I used to just drink Czech Cola. Not good for my body. But then the other day, I woke up, got out of bed, a little bit slower. Put my feet on the floor, a little bit slower. Stood up. This knee went, whoa. And I was like, what? What happened? I was so sore. It was swollen. I was like, did I fight crime last night in my dream? Like, what was going on? My body started failing me. Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. Yeah, uh uh-huh, I see you. Some of you are like, yeah, he knows me, right? It, it It was weird, my body was changing, right? My body is changing. But not just like, not just my physical body, like my preferences and my mind is changing too. Like back in the day, I used to think a good week night or a weekend night was, you know, jamming out with 500 of my closest friends to like whatever little John had out at the time, right? If you don't know little John, he's like the snap your fingers, that guy, right? Yeah, this is the worst dance ever. If you remember this, you'll remember this. That everyone, people used to just do it like boom, and then I'm like yeah, 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 right? And then the really fancy people would throw it in the air. Remember that? You'd walk into a room and everyone was doing this, and you're like, what? And they're like, bah, right? Ridiculous. I used to do that. Now you know what a good night for me is? A couple episodes of this old house. I love this old, this old house is like the OG home renovation show, right? Before Chip and Joanna, it was like these dudes from Boston, right? I love a good home renovation show. Little popcorn, right? Little LaCroix home renovation show. I knew I wasn't the only one who had felt this growth in their life when God, like manna from heaven, as I'm scrolling through my apps, showed me this right here. <laughs> Little John has a home renovation show. What is that show like? What do you do with that show? Hey, little John, you like these countertops? Yeah, yeah. What are you? God is changing me. God is, God is growing me. And he's not just growing me like physically. He's not just growing me with like my preferences. I think something's happening on a deeper level. I think God is growing me because he's given me more stability. He's given me more, more insight recently. He's showing me things that I didn't see before about me and about how, how to reach people and how to, how to serve him. He's given me a, like, a, like a lightheartedness and a really trying time in our world. He's given me the ability to like bounce back in new ways. God is growing me. And I think God is growing you too. Maybe you don't even realize it yet. This word that, that we use in church circles where God starts to grow us and God starts to develop us is this thing called spiritual maturity. 
And it's kind of like a, a vague term and like a, a churchy term and no one really receives it outright. Like you don't just arrive at spiritual maturity, right? Like, ah, I hit it, check spiritual maturity. It is a journey that we are all on, especially, especially when we want to pursue Jesus. There is a maturity that happens. And so I don't have all of the answers to how to be spiritual mature, spiritually mature, but I do know this, the scripture is pretty clear and God has been really clear with me and it's aligned. So I want to spend the rest of our time talking about that. So to do that, to talk about spiritual maturity, we got to invite God into the mix. So let's invite him. Let's pray real quick. Uh, God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all of the um, insight and growth that it brings. And God, I pray for every person in here that their hearts would be ready for what you have to say. You speak, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. First things first, when we start talking about maturity, this is not an age message. Some of you have already heard me go, yeah, when, when you get older or when you grow up, spiritual maturity and age do not correlate at all. Because if they did, then in scripture, there would be like, there'd be like a template, right? Or like a threshold that you'd cross. So like when you were this age, you'd cross it and then you'd become spiritually mature. Moses, boy, was old when he went to Pharaoh, right? He was like 80 plus when he steps to Pharaoh. Joseph, Daniel, teenagers, right? Sarah, Abraham's wife who birthed Isaac, real old when she birthed Isaac. Mary, mother of Jesus, teenager. Age and maturity don't correlate. This, this idea of I'm too young to think about maturity, oldest lie in the book. Oldest lie in the book. And I know some of you are looking at it going, yeah, I know. And like, I'm older though. And like, I can't mature anymore. Like maybe, maybe you felt like that window is closed. That's the second oldest line in the book. So you might feel in here today like, okay, maturity, spiritual maturity is something that I look forward to later. And some of you might be in here going, spiritual maturity is something that I've missed out on. I want you to know God has something for both of you to grow today. <laughs> and I, I, I get why you'd be like apprehensive about this because when I was, you know, growing up and, and trying to understand who Jesus was, I always thought that like, what you did is like you received Jesus and then you tried your best to kind of like do good and then like that was it. You know, you served, you did your thing and that was really all you did. And it felt like the spiritual mature people were like an in crowd. They were like the in circle, right? Like they knew something I didn't know or they had some kind of a thing that I didn't, I didn't have. And I was like on the outskirts, like spiritual mature people, right? They felt like, felt like they always knew what to say. They always had like the right thing to say, like this perfect tweetable, right? Or they always had like the right answer or they always were super confident and they always were like super put together and they wore suits and they were walked right and they just, they were just like different than me. And I felt like I was on the outskirts of trying to get into this in circle, this spiritually mature in circle. Spiritually mature for me was something that church folk did and that I couldn't be a part of. And that's why the words in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 strike me as so powerful and so potent. And so we're going to dive into that, but to really understand that, you got to understand the person who wrote these words, okay? The person who wrote these words, he is the Apostle Paul, all right? And you can do a full year of teaching on the Apostle Paul. You guys just came out of a long series, The Life of Joseph, right? A long nine-week series, and that was, that was good stuff. You can do nine weeks times 90 on Paul, like he's a, he's a spiritual juggernaut, but I'm going to try to break it down in just a, a, a small little package for you guys, okay? So I need uh, somebody to volunteer. You know volunteers? 
This is where you don't make eye contact. Don't look, don't look. Anybody, yeah. Okay, you, what's your favorite, what's your name? Noah. Noah, no, what's your favorite Little John song? Somebody else, who's got to, I'm just kidding, dude, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just, get, what is he, what? No, what? Noah, pick a number between 30 and 45. 40, good man, okay, 40. We're gonna put 40 seconds on the clock. We're gonna do our best to unpack mostly everything you need to know about the Apostle Paul in 40-ish seconds, okay? The Apostle Paul, okay? Born Saul, grew up in a traditional Jewish household, raised all the way up in Jewish law, Jewish literature, was an expert OG in the Jewish law. First job, first time we see him in the scripture, he's persecuting Christians. He's stoning them, he's endorsing their deaths, right? He has this interaction with Jesus that changes his entire life. Jesus says, yo, Paul, I got something for you. Paul realizes Jesus is who he says he is, the son of God, right? And he goes on and he goes into like dormancy for like 13 years as God begins to grow him and grow his ministry. He leaves the 13 year kind of dormant period, plants a bunch of churches. Most of the New Testament is basically Paul planting churches. Paul is the OG missionary. You and I don't exist without Paul's missionary journey to non-Jewish people, time's up. Safe to say, Paul is pretty a mature dude. He didn't just write words, he lived them. Shipwrecked, stoned, put in prison, Paul lived what he taught. So when he gets to this Corinthians passage, he's writing to these people here and what he says really spun this idea of spiritual maturity on its head for me. Let's read it together. Starting at verse one. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ and the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Man, when I first read this, I had a huge relief. Because like Paul, one of the most spiritually mature people, the people we all look up to, he's like, look, look, don't get it twisted. When I came to you, I was speaking plain English wasn't English, it was probably a different language. But you get the idea, right? I was speaking regular language. I wasn't trying to use fancy words and tweetables. He said, when I came to you, verse two, I decided while I was with you, I wouldn't forget everything except for Jesus Christ. That means that Paul wasn't really interested in all the other conversations. Paul was keeping it simple. He didn't have all the right answers. Verse three, I came to you weakness and weakness, timid and trembling. You mean to tell me you can be spiritually mature? and still be scared sometimes? You know how big of a deal that was for me? Because a lot of times, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Coming up here, speaking to rooms like this, it's not always like, oh, I'm about to cry, whoop, here we go, here we go, get that little John playing, we're getting in here. No, it's scary, right? Going and sharing your faith with your neighbor, no one goes, yeah, I'm about to cry, oh, let's go. Hey, you need Jesus, no, no one, it's scary, right? Having conversations about your faith is scary. Growing, saying, hey, I'm going to forsake everything else except for Jesus, that's a scary thing. Paul says, look, man, being scared, that's, that's a normal part of the process. I'm so thankful for these words. Lots of knowledge, right? He says, uh, he says look, rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Paul, one of the most spiritually mature people of all time, is saying, look, what you think spiritual maturity might look like, it actually is different. And that's not going to twist it. He's not saying, hey, if you know a lot of stuff, or if you love knowledge, or if you like to put words together well, or if you like to engage in, in issues in the world, that's a good thing. He's not saying that's a bad thing. And in fact, God never celebrates ignorance, okay? So it's important that we study. It's important that we learn. It's important that we grow. It's important that we get knowledge. But what Paul is saying here is there's a human wisdom at work a lot, but spiritual maturity is much deeper. It's much more powerful. It's much more potent. And it relies on the spirit of God. So today, I just want you to understand that when you engage in this process of spiritual maturity, apart from God, it's just another variation of human wisdom. Just another new thing. And, and hey, I'm all about atomic habits and I'm all about the books that write, like, help people put things together, but there's a deeper undercurrent that God can use and put to play in your life that can give you peace and give you hope when everything seems hopeless that can stabilize you in a world full of chaos. And Paul wants you to know it's possible. So if you're here today and you're like, I don't have all the right answers. If you're here today like, I don't have all the right words. If you're here today like, man, I'm scared a lot of times. You're just like Paul. You're just like one of the most spiritual mature people of all time. Maybe you're more mature than you thought. And maybe God's doing more work in your life than you give him credit for, right? Let's keep going. When we lean into God, he begins to do the work. God begins to do this work of maturity. Anybody in here recently married? Yeah? 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 All right. Good. Uh, what's your name? Uh, you said you were married or? Yeah, you got to each other. Okay, good. That's good. good. <laughs> it just got weird, right? Uh, how long? A month congratulations you guys are married a month today oh new love is so cute dude it's the cutest thing guys i love a good wedding was your wedding fun yes. you had a good time yes. what was your favorite part of your wedding we eloped, you eloped. <laughs> we all knew that right <laughs> congratulations i love i love i love new love I love new marriages. I love that, like, the glow on people's faces, you know, when, like, they're newlyweds and they're walking in and they're all happy and stuff. I love that. I love it more if you invite me to your wedding, okay? So if you're going to get married, just invite me, all right? My favorite part about doing weddings as a pastor is going. I like to go to weddings, but I like to officiate them. I really do. For selfish reasons, okay? I'm going to be honest with you guys. When you officiate a wedding, it's like a free date night. You get to go. You go up there and, you, you know, you do your thing, and then you get to eat first, Right? No one asks you to go jump and catch the, uh, you know, the, 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 what is it called? The garter belt or the flower. No one asks you to do that stuff. And you can just kind of like hang out with your spouse and love is in the air and it's a beautiful thing. But you know what I don't like about weddings? I don't like the wobble. It's confusing. Right? It's a confusing dance. You like, because you know, they usually play it all together, right? People are dancing, like all the people that like really get into it. And then they play like this wobble song. And then you sit in the wedding and you see everybody run forward. You're like... This must be a line dance. This is going to be easy, right? I'm going to go up in here. And then all of a sudden, they're like, duh, duh. And you're like, what am I supposed to be? There are no instructions. I'm a cha-cha slide guy myself. I like to know what's going to happen, right? Slide to the left. Cool. Slide to the right. Take it back. I got this one, right? What I don't want this to become <laughs> for you is a wobble, where it's like, okay, go on the dance floor and be mature. Good luck figuring it out. I want to try to give you just a few things 
that I've noticed God working at in my life that maybe you can hold on to and put into your life. Cool? All right, let's get, let's get into it. Here are three questions to ask yourself as you are growing in spiritual maturity every day. First question, am I staying curious? You see, you can't grow in anything if you aren't curious about it. And Paul writes in verse five of this first Corinthians chapter two, I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Human wisdom is an interesting thing these days, right? Because it like, it kind of falls into two big camps. There are people who, who think they know everything, and there are people who ask a lot of questions and never receive anything as truth. And people who think they know everything, that's called being conceited. Not fun to be around, right? But then there are a lot of us who are curious but never receive any kind of wisdom or truth. And, and we, we kind of take our identity into asking and, 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 and exposing and uncovering. Those aren't curious people either. Those people are cynics. And both people are painful to have conversations with, right? What God is saying here, what Paul is saying here is there's a human way to explore and ask questions. And then there's a deeper, more rooted way to do it. A typical church, you know, has had problems with this historically, right? Because like the idea of being curious, curiosity killing the cat and all of those things, I get that, but you're not a cat. You're a person creating the image of God with logic and reason and all of those things. And Jesus never, never, ever condemned somebody who asked a question from an honest place. Oftentimes in scriptures, he dropped bombs on people, right? He'd be like, and then the, the kingdom of God is like this. And his disciples would be in the crowd like, yeah, yeah, it is. That's our guy, right? And then afterwards, he'd be like, yo, Jesus, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Jesus never bashed people for asking questions. And I don't think the question, I don't think the issue in our culture today is a asking questions things like some people might. I don't think it's that we're curious at all. I don't even think that's, that we're looking for answers. I think that we're looking for answers in the wrong places. You see, a God-sized question can't fit into a finite human mind's answer. A God-sized question needs a God-sized response. And maybe, maybe if we were more curious about the things of God and we went to God with those questions, we would grow. A lack of curiosity leads us to a place where we counteract point for point, or we just do the, the easy thing and just like cancel, or even more worse, we compare. So they know more than me, I know more than them. But a curious person can grow closer to God. And so my question for you here is, when's the last time you were curious about God? When was the last time you asked God a question and sat with him long enough to hear his answer? Kept coming back, asking the same question. Kept coming back. When's the last time we did that? And you can do this with the Lord. You can also do this with each other, which is super awesome, right? I was having a conversation with your pastor. We're catching up, you know, hey, what are you up to? Boom, boom, boom. I started naming off all the stuff I was up to. I kind of like did a brain dump, right? I'm like, here's all the things that I'm doing and want to do. And he stops on the other end of the phone. He goes, huh. He goes, are you bored? I was like, yeah, actually I am. He was able to break through and take me to a new place because he asked the question. What would it look like? What would it look like if we got more curious about the things of God and we leaned on his wisdom to answer the questions? I think we'd grow. I think you'd grow. 
I'm positive I'm growing. And you know why I'm positive of that? Because I've decided, I've decided that above all else, above everything else, I'm gonna plant my life on the firm foundation that is Jesus Christ. I've, I've been curious about that before. And when God gave me the answer, like, yeah, I am real. Yeah, I do have a plan for you. Yeah, I do love you. Yeah, I have called you. Yeah, you do belong here. I believed him. So I stood on that. And now I can be curious about the world around me, about the people around me. Now I can have relationships with people who don't believe what I believe or think what I think or, or act like I act, right? Now I can build relationships with those because I'm certain. I've res- I was curious about it and now I'm certain that Jesus is who he says he is. Plant your feet on that rock right there. Be curious about right there and, and trust it. Receive that answer. You're going to grow, I promise. All right? All right, let's go to the next one. Second question to ask as you're growing in spiritual maturity. Am I rooted or rolling? Here's what 1 Corinthians 2.6 says as Paul continues. Yet when I am among mature believers, I do not speak with words of wisdom. I'm sorry. I do speak with words of wisdom. Yikes. Um, when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world, who are soon forgotten. Am I more rooted than rolling? Some people have the gift of like, you know, being a musician. I see the musician team almost wrecked this. I was like yelling with them like, yes, you have never failed. Like I was singing with them. Some people have the gift of playing a guitar. Some people have the gift of like athleticism, right? I don't really have any of those gifts. I got the gift of like hustle. You know, like I can just work really hard. Like I'll just figure it out, man. And I can take a punch. Those are like, that's my, that's like my gift, right? Like, congratulations. I'm going to give you a hard head. Perfect. <laughs> and so as, as I, as I'm, as, as I'm maturing the faith, oftentimes I'd have this impression that like the more I did, the more I hustled, the more my relationship with God would grow, the more I'd spiritually mature. And so what happened was I turned into a professional Christian. Not of like, not in vocation, but like in what I did, right? So like, I'd be like, okay, cool. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna work over here. I'm gonna do this. And I'm gonna volunteer over here. I'm gonna do this. Oh, podcasts are cool. Let me start one of those. Oh, videos. Cool. I'll do that. Oh, someone's making a movie. I'll go check out how to make it. Okay, cool. Okay. Oh, then there's a, I'm not good at music, but I like being in the studio. So I hang on. And I ended up doing all these professional things. And what happened, what happened to me was that gave me like this get up and go mentality. For a long time, I was like the dude who could pack everything into his car and be out of town in 30 minutes, right? Like I was that guy. And I had this idea in my head of like, I was a rolling stone. You know that phrase, rolling stones, get no moss, gather no moss, right? I was like, man, I can roll through. I can roll with anything. I'm, I'm tough. I can do. And God gave me this visual. He said, no, Pop, you're, not a, you're not a rolling stone. You're a tumbleweed. You ever seen a tumbleweed? You ever seen a tumbleweed drive? You ever driving like out west? They're, they're pretty big out west, right? You're driving down the street, you see a tumbleweed. Huh. And then you keep driving, right? You know what a tumbleweed is essentially? It's a tree that never really planted, right? It's a tree that's not planted. Just a bunch of little pieces that kind of, and it's cool to look at. It might be cool to like have a conversation about, but then like it doesn't really ever make like a huge impact. When's the last time you're like, that tumbleweed changed my life? I was hot and I was in the desert and then I saw a tumbleweed. No, no. So the question, am I more rooted than rolling? If we get out of that rolling stone tumbleweed mentality, then we got to replace it with something, right? How about a tree that digs roots? You ever been outside and you're like, yo, if I, could just, if I could just get a little bit of shade, just a little bit of shade, right? You've been blessed, especially in this heat. Oh my goodness, right? God gave me that visual of 
the hustle and bustle culture that we find ourselves in, which some of it is really good. We got to get stuff done. But if we keep moving forward, never planting, never growing roots will never produce fruit. So the psalmist talks about in Psalm 1, right? A tree planted by water, right? That yields fruit in season. Maybe you're not yielding fruit yet because it's not your season. That doesn't mean you get up and move. That means you stay planted. You stay there. Guys, we're a culture, we're a generation that is increasingly becoming tumbleweeds. And I don't want to see another person leave somewhere early because they didn't like something or because they didn't, they didn't feel comfortable because it was challenging. Being a tree is hard. Being a tree is difficult. Being a tree invites some stuff, right? But man, the fruit, the shade that you get from a tree, something else. And there's too many of us that are moving from relationship to relationship, from job to job, from church to church, never planting. And when we plant, when we decide to plant, God shows up in a way that you never expected. You know, I told you about the, my tumbleweed vibes or whatever. This last year, God has been really clear with me. You're doing two things. I'm doing two things. I'm planting myself in two things. One, loving my family. I'm going to love my family the best I can. And two, preaching the gospel. Those are the only two things I'm doing. And everything else, everything else from that, cool. Let it be fruit from those two things. Let me plant in those two things and let everything else in my life be fruit. What is it that God's calling you to plant in? Where is he calling you to plant? And what fruit are you hoping to get from from that? Because God only calls us to depth. He only doesn't call us to fast. He doesn't call us to speedy or, 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 or busy. He calls us to depth. And when you plant yourself promise you in due time you're going to reap some fruit am i rooted rolling next question to ask yourself last one here do i believe god first corinthians 2 7 no the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of god his plan that was previously hidden even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began but the rulers of this world have not understood it if they had they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Do I believe God? Not believe in God. It's important you, you, we, we have that distinction. Not believe in God, but believe God. Because you can believe in something, right? And it never really transform you. You can believe in something and it never really take you to a new place. But when you believe something, then all, all of a sudden things start to change. Your actions, your motivations, the things that you say yes and no to start to change when you believe something. So I want you to go from believing in God to believing God. Believe in God about what? Well, verse nine. Believe in God when he says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that about yourself? Or do you just kind of believe in that from like a general standpoint, right? Like, yeah, that's a cool thing for like, if it works for people. But do you believe that today? See, growing up, right, spiritually, growing up spiritually is an act of the Holy Spirit. You need God. And you can't have God in your life if you don't want to believe him. He goes where he's invited. And I want you to be the kind of person that invites him in. 
invites him in daily, invites him in moment to moment, invites him in every second of every day. Because that's how we're going to grow. That's how we're going to mature in our faith. So what's the next step, like coming out of a talk like this, right? Like what do we do next? Well, here's a couple questions to ask yourselves and to process through together. Maybe you do need to ask yourself, like, am I curious about what God can do in my life? Maybe you've settled on, like, God's not really going to do anything with me. God's not really going to grow me. God's not really going to use me to change the world. Maybe a question you got to ask yourself is, like, am I rooted or am I just rolling around? Maybe it's time to plant some roots. Or maybe it's time for you to believe God. Believe in when he says he has a plan for you. Believe in when he says he loves you. Believe in when he says he has you covered. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forget about you. And maybe for some of us in here, you hear all this God talking like, that's cool, but maybe you haven't made the first really important decision that we talked about up front, which is allowing God to be in your life. Maybe you've been in church for a while. Maybe you're new. I don't know. And you're sitting here going, yeah, I want to believe this about you, God. I want to believe you. And you've never made that decision to follow the Lord. Well, that looks like this. I don't want to overcomplicate it for you, but here's a simple, here's a simple way to think about it. You and I are imperfect, right? We mess up. It's called sin. We can miss the mark just a little bit, or we can miss the mark a lot, but we've all missed the mark. And so that missing of the mark, what happens is over time, that creates a really interesting gap. And so what God does for us, in spite of us missing the gap, he chooses to love us anyway. And the way that he's shown his love for us is through the person of Jesus Christ, a real person. God in the flesh comes to earth, lives a perfect life, never misses the mark, and then dies on a cross for all of us who have missed the mark. It's wild to think about someone giving up their life for a good person, but giving up your life for someone who misses all the time? Man, what kind of love is that? So Jesus does that. He does that so that you and I, so you and I wouldn't have to pay the consequences for when we miss, for when we mess up. That we wouldn't be separated from God. It's a sad story when you think about it. Like, dude died, like that's sad. They take him down, they put him in an old burial tomb, they put him in a, in a, in a they put a rock over the, the tomb or whatever. And three days later, Jesus comes walking out of that tomb. He gets up from the grave. He raises from the dead. It's called resurrection. Now, why is resurrection important? It's important because that means no matter what happens, has happened, or will happen, there is nothing that can separate you from God's relationship with you. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And that kind of love is available for you. And that kind of love doesn't want to just leave you in that spot. That kind of love wants to mature you, wants to grow you, wants to give you what you need for your life. So maybe there are people in here who need to receive that, need to believe that kind of love. I'll give you an opportunity to do that right now. Take, take a second right now, everybody. Just bow your head real quick. If you're in here today and you're like, man, I need that love. I've never really received the love of Jesus like that. I need that. Well, today's a great day to do it. Here's a great day to believe God in that sense. So if you're in here, you're like, you know what? I want to receive this love of Jesus. I've never asked Jesus into my life. Never asked him to be the center of my life. And you want to do that today. I just want you to put your hand up 
right now, in the quietness of this moment, hands bowed, eyes closed, quietness, just put your hand up real quick and put it back down. Right now. Praise God. Praise God. And if you're there and this is where this is you, I'm gonna say a quick prayer and I just want you to uh, repeat these words in the quietness of your heart in the moment right now. Say, God, I need you. God, I believe you. God, I know that I can't do this on my own. So I receive your love. Jesus, come into my life. Be the center of my life. Help me to live for you. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.